0: Homily 9 of Homilies on Philippians by St. John Chrysostom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Homily 9, Philippians 2, 19 through 21. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will care truly for your state. For they all seek their own and not the things of Jesus Christ he had said, had fallen out unto the progress of the gospel, so that my bonds became manifest in Christ throughout the whole praetorian guard. Philippians 1, 12, and 13. And again, yea, if I am offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. Philippians 2, 17. By these words he strengthened them. Perchance they might suspect that his former words were spoken just to comfort them. What then? i sent timothy unto you says he for they desired to hear all things that concerned him and wherefore said he not that ye may know my state but that i may know yours because epaphrodites would have reported his state before the arrival of timothy wherefore further on he says but i counted it necessary to send unto you epaphrodites my brother philippines 2:25. but i wish to learn of your affairs for it is likely that he had remained long time with Paul through his bodily weakness, so that he says, I wish to know your state. See then how he refers everything to Christ, even the mission of Timothy, saying, I hope in the Lord Jesus. That is, I am confident that God will facilitate this for me, that I too may be of good courage when I know your state. As I refreshed you when ye heard the very things of me which ye had prayed for, that the gospel had advanced that its enemies were put to shame that the means by which they ought to injure rather made me rejoice thus too do i wish to learn of your affairs that i too may be of good courage when i know your state here he shows that they ought to rejoice for his bonds and to be conformed to them for they begat in him great pleasure for the words that i too may be of good comfort imply just as you are. Oh, what longing he had towards Macedonia! He testifies the same to the Thessalonians, as when he says, But we, brethren, being bereaved of you for a short season, etc. 1 Thessalonians 2.17 And here he says, I hope to send Timothy, that I may know your estate, which is a proof of excessive care. For when he could not himself be with them, he sent his disciples, as he could not endure to remain even for a little time in ignorance of their state for he did not learn all things by revelation of the spirit and for this we can see some reason for if the disciples had believed that it were so they would have lost all sense of shame but now from expectation of concealment they were more easily corrected in a high degree did he call their attention by saying that i too may be of good comfort and rendered them more zealous, so that when Timothy came, he might not find any other state of things, and report it to him. He seems to have acted in like sort in his own person, when he delayed his coming to the Corinthians, that they might repent. Wherefore he wrote, I spare you to forbear to come to Corinth. 2 Corinthians one twenty-three. For his love was manifested not simply in reporting his own state, but in his desire to learn of theirs, For this is the part of a soul which has a care of others which takes thought for them which is always wrestling for them at the same time too he honors them by sending Timothy what sayest thou dost thou send Timothy And wherefore because I have no one like-minded that is none of those who care is like mine none who will care truly for you Philippians 2 20 he had then no one of those who were with him no one like-minded that is who has yearnings and takes thought for you as i do no one would lightly choose he means to make so long a journey for this purpose timothy is the one with me who loves you for i might have sent others but there was none like him this then is that like-mindedness to love the disciples as the master loves them who says he will truly care for you that is as a father For they all seek their own not the things of jesus christ philippians 2 21 their own comfort their own safety this too he writes to timothy but why doth he lament such things as these to teach us his hearers not to fall in like sort to teach his hearers not to seek for remission from toil for he who seeks remission from toil seeks not the things that are christ's but his own we ought to be prepared against every toil against every distress. Verse 23. Ye know the proof of him, that as a child serveth a father, so he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel. And that I speak not at random, ye yourselves, he says, know that as a child serveth a father, so he served me in furtherance of the gospel. He presents then Timothy to them, and with reason, that he might enjoy much honor from them, This, too, he does when he writes to the Corinthians, and he says, Let no man therefore despise him, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. 1 Corinthians 16.10 This he said not as caring for them, but for those who receive him, that they might receive a great reward. Verse 23 Him therefore, he says, I hope to send forthwith, as soon as I shall see how it will go with me, that is, when I see where I stand and what end my affairs will have. Verse 24. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come to you shortly. I am not therefore sending him as though I myself would not come, but that I may be of good courage when I know your state, that even in the meantime I may not be ignorant of it. But I trust in the Lord, says he. See how he makes all things depend on God and speaks nothing of his own mind. That is, God willing. Verse 25 But I counted it necessary to send to you Epaphrodites, my brother, and fellow worker and fellow soldier. And him, too, he sends with the same praises as Timothy, for he commanded him on these two points first, in that he loved them, when he says, Who will care truly for you? and secondly, in that he had approved himself in the gospel, and for the same reason and in the same terms he praises this man also and how by calling him a brother and a fellow-worker and not stopping at this point but also fellow-soldier he showed how he shared in his dangers and testifies of him the same things which he testifies of himself for fellow-soldier is more than fellow-worker for perchance he gave aid in quiet matters yet not so in wars and dangers but in saying fellow-soldier He showed this too. Verse 25. To send to you your messenger and minister to my needs. That is, I give you your own, since I send to you him that is your own, or perhaps that is your teacher. Again, he adds many things concerning his love in saying, verses 26 and 27. Since he longed after you and was sore troubled, because ye had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick, nigh unto death, But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, that I might not have sorrow upon sorrow. Here he aims at a further point, making it manifest that Epaphrodites too was well aware how he was beloved of them, and this is no light thing toward loving. You know how he was sick, he says, and he grieved that on his recovery he did not see you, and free you from the grief ye had by reason of his sickness. Here, too, he gives another reason for sending so late to them, not from any remissness, but he kept Timothy because he had no one else, for as he had written, he had no one like-minded, and Epaphrodites because of his sickness. He then shows that this was a long sickness, and had consumed much time, by adding, for he was sick nigh unto death. You see how anxious Paul is to cut off from his disciples all occasion of slighting or contempt and every suspicion that his not coming was because he despised them. For nothing will have such power to draw a disciple toward one as the persuasion that his superior cares for him, and that he is full of heaviness on his account. For this is the part of exceeding love, because ye have heard, he says, that he was sick, for he was sick nigh unto death, and that I am not making an excuse here what follows, but God had mercy on him what sayest thou o heretic here it is written that god's mercy retained and brought back again him who was on the point of departure and yet if the world is evil it is no mercy to leave a man in the evil our answer to the heretic is easy but what shall we say to the christian for he perchance will question and say if to depart and to be with christ is far better how saith he that hath obtained mercy I would ask why the same Apostle says that it is more needful to abide with you, for as it was needful for him, so too for this man, who would hereafter depart to God with more exceeding riches and greater boldness. Hereafter that would take place, even if it did not now, but the winning souls is at an end for those who have once departed thither. In many places, too, Paul speaks according to the common habits of his hearers, and not everywhere in accordance with his own heavenly wisdom. For he had to speak to men of the world who still fear death. Then he shows how he esteemed Epaphroditus, and, thence, he gets for him respect, by saying that his preservation was so useful to himself that the mercy which had been shown to Epaphroditus reached him also. Moreover, without this the present life is a good, were it not so. Why does Paul rank with punishment untimely deaths, as when he says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and not a few sleep? 1 Corinthians 11.30 For the future life is not merely better than an evil state, since then it were not good, but better than a good state. Lest I should have, he says, sorrow upon sorrow, sorrow from his death in addition to that which sprung from his sickness. By this he shows how much he prizes a verse 28 i have sent him therefore the more diligently what means more diligently it is without procrastination without delay with much speed having bidden him lay all aside and to go to you that he might be freed from heaviness for we rejoice not on hearing of the health of those we love so much as when we see them and chiefly so when this happens contrary to hope as it was in the case of epaphroditus I have sent him therefore the more diligently, that when ye see him again ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. How less sorrowful? Because if he rejoice, I too rejoice, and he too joys at the pleasure of such sort, and I shall be less sorrowful. He said not sorrowless, but less sorrowful, to show that his soul never was free from sorrow. For he who said, Who is weak, and I am not weak, Who is made to stumble, and I burn not? 2 Corinthians 11.29 When could such an one be free from sorrow? That is, this despondency I now cast off. Verse 29 Receive him therefore in the Lord with all joy. In the Lord either means spiritually and with much zeal, or rather in the Lord means God willing. Receive him in a manner worthy of saints, as saints should be received with all joy. All this he does for their sakes, not for that of his messengers, for greater gain has the doer than the receiver of a good deed. And such hold an honor, that is, receive him in a manner worthy of saints. Verse 30. Because for the work of Christ he came nigh unto death, hazarding his life to supply that which was lacking in your service towards me. This man had been publicly sent by the city of the Philippians, who had come as minister to Paul, and perchance bringing him some contribution. For toward the end of the epistle he shows that he also brought him money, when he says, having received Epaphroditus, the things that came from you, Philippians 4.18. It is probable, then, that on his arrival at the city of Rome he found Paul in great and urgent peril, so that those who were accustomed to resort to him were unable to safely do so but were themselves in peril by their very attendance, which is wont to happen chiefly in very great dangers, and the exceeding wrath of kings. For when any one has offended the king, and is cast into prison, and is strictly guarded, then even his servants are debarred from access, which probably then befell Paul. And that Praphroditus, being of a noble nature, despised all danger that he might go in unto him, and minister unto him, and do everything which need required, he therefore sets forth two facts by which he gains for him their respect the one that he was in jeopardy well nigh unto death he says for my sake the other that in so suffering he was representing their city so that the recompense for that his pearl would be accounted to those who sent him as if the city had sent him as their ambassador so that a kind of reception of him and approval of what he had done may rather be called a participation in the things that he had dared. And he said not for my sake, but obtains the more credit for his words, by saying, Because for the work of God, since he acted not for my sake, but for God's sake, he was nigh unto death. What then? Though by the providence of God he died not, yet he himself regarded not his life, and gave himself up to any suffering that might befall him so as not to remit his attendance on me. And if he gave himself up to death to attend on Paul, much more would he have endured this for the gospel's sake, or rather this also had been for the gospel's sake, even to have died for Paul. For we may bind about our brows the crown of martyrdom, not only by refusing the sacrifice, but such causes as these also make death martyrdom. And if I may say something startling, These latter do so far more than the former, for he who dares to face death for the lesser cause will much rather for the greater. Let us, therefore, when we see the saints in danger, regard not our life, for it is impossible without daring ever to perform any noble act, but need is that he who takes thought beforehand for his safety should fall from that which is to come. To supply, he says, your lack of service toward me. What is this? The city was not present, but by sending him, it fulfilled through him all service toward me. He therefore supplied your lack of service, so that for this reason, too, he deserves to enjoy much honor, since what ye all should have done, this hath he performed on your behalf. Here he shows that there is also a foregoing service rendered by those in safety to those in danger, for so he speaks of the lack and the lack of service. Seest thou the spirit of the Apostle, these words spring not from arrogance, but from his great care towards them. For he calls the matter a service and a lack, that they may not be puffed up, but be moderate, nor think that they have rendered some great thing, but rather be humble-minded. For we owe the saints a debt, and are not doing them a favor. For as supplies are due by those who are in peace, and not engaged in war, to such as stand in the army and fight, for these stand on their behalf thus too it is here for if paul had not taught who would have cast him into prison wherefore we ought to minister to the saints for it is not absurd to contribute to an earthly king when engaged in war all that he wants as clothing and food not according to his need alone but abundantly whilst to the king of heaven when engaged in war and contending against far more bitter foes for it is written, Our wrestling is not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6.12 We will not supply urgent necessity. What folly is this? What ingratitude? What base love of gain? But, as it seems, the fear of man has greater force with us than hell, and the future torments. For this cause and truth all things are turned upside down, for political affairs are daily accomplished with much earnestness, and one must not be left behind, whilst of the spiritual things there is no account taken at all but the things which are demanded of us of necessity and with compulsion as though we were slaves and against our wills are laid down by us with much readiness while such as are asked from willing minds and as if from free men are again deficient i speak not against all but against those who are behindhand with these supplies for might not god have made these contributions compulsory Yet he would not, for he has more care of you than of those whom you support. Wherefore, he would not that you should contribute of necessity, since there is no recompense. And yet many of those who stand here are lower-minded than the Jews. Consider how great things the Jews give, tithes, first fruits, tithes again, and again other tithes, and besides this thirteenths, and the shekel, and no one said, how much they devour, for the more they receive, the greater is the reward. They say not they receive much. They are gluttons, which words I hear now from some. They, for their part, while they are building houses and buying estates, still think they have nothing. But if any priest is clothed in a dress more bright than usual, and enjoys more than what is necessary for his sustenance, or has an attendant, that he may not be forced himself to act unbecomingly, They set the manner down for riches, and in truth we are rich even at this rate. And they admit it against their will, for we, though we have, but little are rich, whilst they, though they get everything about them, are poor. How far shall our folly extend? Does it not suffice to our punishment that we do no good deed? But must we add to it the punishment of evil speaking? For if what he has were your gifts, you lose your reward by upbraiding him for what you give. In a word, if thou didst give it, why dost thou upbraid him? If you have already borne witness to his poverty, by saying that what he has are your gifts, why then dost thou upbraid? Thou shouldst not have given. Didst thou intend so to do? But dost thou speak thus, when another gives? It is then more grievous, and that when thou thyself hast not given thou upbraidest for another man's good deeds how great reward thinkest thou those who are thus spoken of will receive it is for god's sake they thus suffer how and wherefore had they so willed they might have taken up a traitor's life even though they received it not from their ancestors for i hear many speaking thus at random when we say that a certain man is poor had he willed they say he might have been rich, and then tantingly add, his father, his grandfather, and I know not who was so, but now see what a robe he wears. But what, tell me, ought he to go about naked? You then start nice questionings on these points, but see lest thou thus speakest against thyself. Listen to that exhortation of Christ, which says, Judge not that ye not be judged. Matthew 7.1 He might, it is true, if he had willed, have led a trader's or merchant's life, and would surely not have lacked, but he would not. What then, says one, is he here profited? Tell me, what is he profited? Does he wear silken robes? Does he proudly clear his way through the forum with a troop of followers? Is he borne along on horseback? Does he build houses, having where to dwell? If he act so, I too accuse him, and spare him not, but declare that he is unworthy of the priesthood. For how can he exhort others not to spend their time on these superfluities who cannot advise himself? But if he has sufficient for support, is he therefore doing wrong? Would you have him lead a vagabond life and beg? Wouldst not thou too his disciple be put to shame? But if thy father in the flesh did this, thou wouldst think shame of the thing. If thy spiritual father be compelled to do so, Willst thou not veil thy hand, and even think thou art sinking into the earth? It is written, A father's dishonor is a reproach to the children. Ecclesiasticus 3.11 But what? Should he perish with famine? This were it not like a pious man, for God willeth it not. But what do they straightway philosophize? It is written, they say, Get you no gold, nor silver, nor brass in your purses, neither two coats, nor yet staves. Matthew 10.9.10 Whilst these men have three or four garments, and beds well spread, I am forced now to heave a bitter sigh, and, but that it had been indecorous, I had wept too. How so? Because we are such curious searchers into the molts of others, while we feel not the beams in our own eyes. Tell me, why sayest thou not this to thyself? The answer is, because the command is laid only on our teachers. When then Paul says, having food and covering, we shall be therewith content. 1 Timothy 6.8 Says he this only to the teachers? By no means, but to all men. And this is clear. If we will begin further back, for what does he say? Godliness with contentment is great gain. 1 Timothy 6.6 For we brought nothing into this world, it is certain that neither can we carry anything out. 1 Timothy 6.7 then he straightway adds, In having food and covering, we shall therewith be content. But they that desire to be rich fall into a temptation and a snare, and many foolish and heartful lusts. 1 Timothy six eight nine. 9 You see that this is spoken to all. And how is it when he says again, Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof? Romans thirteen fourteen, Is not this said absolutely to all? And what when he says, Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats. But God shall bring to naught both it and them. 1 Corinthians 6.13 Or what when he says, But she that giveth herself to pleasure is dead while she liveth. 1 Timothy five six, Speaking of a widow. Is then the widow a teacher? Has not he said himself, But I permit not a woman to teach, nor to have dominion over a man. 1 Timothy 2.12 But if a widow in old age An age has need of great attendance, and a woman's nature too, for the woman's sex, being weak, has need of more refreshment. If, then, where there is both the age and the nature, he suffers her not to live in luxury, but even says that she is dead, for she did not simply forbid a life of luxury, but said, She who giveth herself to luxury is dead while she liveth, and thus hath cut her off. For she that is dead is cut off, what indulgence then will any man have who does those things for which a woman and an aged one too is punished yet no one gives a thought to these things no one searches them out and this i have been compelled to say not from any wish to free the priests from these charges but to spare you they indeed suffer no harm at your hands even if it is with cause and justice that they are thus charged of being greedy of gain for whether ye speak or whether ye forbear they must there give an account to the judge, so that your words hurt them not at all. But if your words are false besides, they for their part gain by these false accusations, whilst ye hurt yourselves by these means. But it is not so with you, for, be the things true which ye bring against them, or, be they false, ye speak ill of them to your hurt. And how so? if they be true, in that ye judge your teachers, and subvert the order, you do it to your hurt. For if we must not judge a brother, much less a teacher, but if they be false, the punishment and retribution is intolerable. For of every idle word ye shall give an account. Matthew 12, 36. For your sake, then, I thus act in labor. But as I said, no one searches out these things. No one busies himself about these things. No one communes with himself on any of these things. Would ye that I should add still more? Whosoever forsaketh not all he hath, saith Christ, is not worthy of me. Luke 14 33, Matthew 10 37. What when he says, It is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 19:23, Mark 10 24. What then he says again, Woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Luke six twenty-four. No one searches this out no one bears it in mind no one reasons with himself but all sit as severe inquisitors on other men's cases yet this is to make themselves sharers in the charges but listen that for your own sake i may free the priests from the charges which ye say lie against them for the persuasion that they transgress the law of god inclines you not a little towards evil come then let us examine this matter christ said Provide neither gold nor silver, neither two cloaks, neither shoes, nor girdle, nor yet staves. Matthew 10, 9, 10. What then, tell me, did Peter transgress this command? Surely he did so, in having a girdle and a garment and shoes. For listen to the words of the angel, gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. Acts 12, 8. And yet he had no such great need of sandals, for at that season a man may go even unshod their great use is in the winter and yet he had them what shall we say of paul when he writes thus to timothy do thy diligence to come before winter second timothy four twenty one and he gives him orders too and says the cloak that i left at troas with Carpus, being when thou comest and the books especially the parchments second timothy four thirteen see he speaks of a cloak and no one can say that he had not another which he wore for if he did not wear one at all, it were superfluous to order this one to be brought. And if he could not be without one to wear, it is clear that he had a second. What shall we say of his remaining? Two whole years in his own higher dwelling. Acts 28.30 Did then this chosen vessel disobey Christ, this man who said, Yet I live, and yet no longer I, but Christ liveth in me? Galatians 2.20 Concerning whom Christ testified, saying, He is a chosen vessel unto me. Acts 9.15 I ought to leave this difficulty with you, without supplying any solution to the question. I ought to exact of you this penalty for your negligence in the Scriptures, for this is the origin of all such difficulties. For we know not the Scriptures, we are not trained in the law of God, and so we become sharp inquirers in the faults of others, whilst we take no account of our own. I ought then to have exacted from you this penalty. But what shall I do? Fathers freely give to their sons many things beyond what is fitting, when their fatherly compassion is kindled. On seeing their child with downcast look, and wasted with grief, they themselves also feel sharper pangs than he, the rest not until they have removed the ground of his dejection. So be it at least here, be ye at least dejected at not receiving, that ye may receive well. What then is it? They opposed not, far be it, but diligently followed the commands of Christ. For those commands were but for a season and not enduring. And this I say not from conjecture, but from the divine scriptures. And how? Luke relates that Christ said to his disciples, When I sent you forth without purse and wallet and girdle and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said nothing. Luke 22:35. But for the future provide them. But tell me, what could he do? Could he have but one coat? How, then, if need was that this be washed, should he, because without it, stay at home? Should he, without it, go abroad in an unbecoming manner, when need called? Consider what a thing it would have been that Paul, who made the circuit of the world with such great success, should remain at home for want of raiment, and thus hinder his noble work. And what if violent cold had set in, or rain had drenched it, or perhaps frozen in, how could he dry his raiment? Must he again remain without it? And what if cold had deprived his body of strength? Must he waste away with disease, and be unable to speak? For hear what he says to Timothy, to prove that they were not furnished with adamantine bodies, use a little wine for thy stomach's sake, and thine often infirmities. 1 Timothy 5.23 And again, when he speaks of another, I counted it necessary to send to you your messenger and minister to my needs. Philippians 2.25 For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also. Philippians 2.27 So that they were subject to every sort of sickness. What then, must they die? By no means. For what cause then did Christ at that time give them that command? To show his own power, and to prove... That in after times he was able to do it, though he did it not. But wherefore did he not do it? They were much more admirable than the Israelites, whose shoes did not wax old, neither their garments, and that too whilst they were journeying through that desert where the glowing rays of the sun strike so hot that they are capable of consuming even stones. Deuteronomy 29 5. Why then did he do this? For thy sake? for since thou wouldest not remain in health but be full of wounds he gave you that which might serve for medicine and this is hence manifest could he not himself have fed them he that gave to thee who wast an enemy with him would he not much more have given to paul he who gave to the israelites those murmurers those fornicators those adulterers would he not much more have given to peter who spent all for his sake he who suffered wicked men to possess aught, would he not much more have freely given to John, who for him forsook even his father? Yet he would not. Through your hands he feeds them, that you may be sanctified. And see the excess of his loving kindness. He chose that his disciples should be in want, that thou mightest be a little refreshed. For if he had freed them from all want, they would have been much more admirable, far more glorious but then that which is to thee salvation would have been cut off. God willed not then that they should be admirable, that thou mightest be saved, but that they should rather be lowered. He has suffered them to be less accounted of, that thou mightest be able to be saved. The teacher who receiveth is not equally reverenced, but he who receives not is chiefly honored. But then in the latter case the disciple is not benefited, he is hindered of his fruit. Seest thou the wisdom of God, who thus loveth man? For as he himself sought not his own glory, nor had respect to himself, but when he was in glory, chose to be dishonored for thy sake. Thus, too, it is in the case of your teachers. When they might have been highly reverenced, he preferred that they should be subject to contempt for thy sake, that thou mightest be able to profit, that thou mightest be able to be rich. For he is in want of the things of this life, that you may abound in things spiritual if then he might have made them above all want, he showed that for thy sake he suffered them to be in want. Knowing then these things, let us turn ourselves to well-doing, not to accusations. Let us not be overcurious curious about the failings of others, but take account of our own. Let us reckon up the excellences of other men, while we bear in mind our faults. And thus shall we be well-pleasing to God, for he who looks at the faults of others and at his own excellences is injured in two ways, By the latter he is carried up to arrogance. Through the former he falls into listlessness. And when he perceives that such an one hath sinned, very easily he will sin himself. When he perceives that he hath in aught excelled, very easily becometh he arrogant, he who consigns to oblivion his own excellences and looks at his feelings only. Whilst he is a curious inquirer of the excellences, not the sins of others, is profited in many ways and how, when he sees that such an one hath done excellently, he is raised to emulate the same. When he sees that he himself hath sinned, he is rendered humble and modest. If we act thus, if we thus regulate ourselves, we shall be able to obtain the good things which are promised through the grace and loving kindness of our Lord Jesus Christ, with whom, etc. End of homily 9